Hey fam, welcome to the newest season of Lord Have Mercy. This time around, I want to highlight the amazing writers and creators we have in our Bible app. Check out devotionals by Laura Jean Truman, Lindsay Medford, Derek Weston, Danny Prada, Elizabeth Henry, and Miriam Samuelson Roberts, all in the app this holiday season. It's all in our Bible app, the number one media hub for progressive Christians. You are listening to Lord Have Mercy, a podcast about God, sex, and the Bible. I'm your host, Crystal Cheatham, and today we sit down with Laura Jean Truman, activist, bartender, writer, and preacher. In this episode, you get to hear me fangirl about her most recent devotional series located exclusively in our Bible app titled, Imagination, the Most Underrated Spiritual Discipline. And now, let's start the show. Laura Jean, your, um, first of all, uh, Ricky, who's the social media manager in my office, likes to call you Laura Jean. <laughs> like Jean-Claude, <laughs> he keeps saying it. Or I'm sorry, they keep saying it. I'm like, I'm like, dude. <laughs> no, you should, you should keep it. When I talk, because I'm, I'm always, I'm always playing with gender. And I was recently talking with my therapist and I was like, I feel like if I change my name to something more masculine, I'm going to keep Jean, but make everyone pronounce it Jean. Yeah. And she was like, she was like, I don't, I think that's weird. And I was like, don't tell me what's weird, straight white lady. Like, <laughs> I, I can do what I want. Like, so. I mean, you need to put like a Val in there, like, like Jean Valjean. So like Laura Valjean. Oh yeah. Or Jean oh yeah. Absolutely. Anyway, we have been fangirling so hard about your devotional. Dude, you're such an amazing writer. You are such an amazing writer. Whatever tune you're, whatever heavenly tune you're listening to, I mean, please don't ever turn it off. It's so good. I'm really excited to talk to you. So what has been your journey from like, like, like preacher to bartender? Because in my mind, like an actress is definitely also most times a bartender, but like a preacher is never a bartender. (laughs) Oh, well, so you do. <laughs> I do. I do preach more often than I should at my bar. So I'm, I'm really, I'm incredibly blessed. The bar that I work at is this historic tavern. It's been around for like 62 years in the city of Atlanta. Um, it's a historically liberal bar. Um, mm-hmm. All of the, you know, we have pictures of Obama playing darts in the back at our oh, bar. So yes. Very cool. Um, and a selfie with John Lewis. Just saying. Love him. <laughs> um, and they give us a lot of free reign to yes, so, talking so shit I to do, the I, natives, the locals. Yes, I do, I do get in some trouble sometimes because I do, I do um, have a lot of opinions. And when someone brings something up, like you know, yeah, my 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 running fight is about whether uh, white people should repent of white supremacy, and I have a couple old white Democrats in my bar. So I do, I mean, I don't know how familiar you are with the Enneagram. Um, um, Jamie Lee, um, what's her last name? Anyway, my last guest was trying to explain it to me. And I honestly, I took the test and I'm still not quite sure what it is or what I am. So there's that. Well, I am, I am um, 
or a super one on the Enneagram. Okay. And the name of the one is the reformer, mm. which means we try to just reform everything and everyone. And it's really hard for me not to like bump into people and be like, have you considered being a better person? And everyone's like, nobody asked you. And I'm like, you asked me by existing if you could be a better person. Um, so I'm actually, I actually work on that at the bar being like, what does it mean to see the image of God in everyone? It helps me grow. So it sounds like that you are exuding both activism and um, preaching or witnessing or I, I was going for a word that wasn't just like so like evangelical, you know, but like you're exuding a ministry constantly. How and it sounds like it's coming out of you everywhere. So when you focus it, what's that like for your activism? Um, I go... I go to a lot of protests, hmm. as we all do these so, days. Yes. Never expected my life to contain so many protests. Listen, um, it's the time for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and honestly, right now, um, a lot of how I am trying to focus my activism is in my writing. Yeah. Um, because so right after right after the election two years ago, mm. I signed up for every single group, yeah. and you know I was calling my senators and I was writing postcards or you know having the postcard writing parties, yeah. and I was showing up with you know the women outside all the senators' office in downtown Atlanta, and it, it, this sense of like you have you know I was showing up with uh, the surge meetings, show up for racial justice. I signed up to be like one of their officers. I was like all the things, getting so hysterical, I'm waving my cord around. <laughs> All the things, there's so much to do. Um, and my therapist challenged me to think in terms of not what is good for me to do, but what is mine to do. It's mm, a good therapist. Right? And so to pull back and say, I've been asking, what are the good things that need to be done at this point in this political moment? What are the good things? And how can I do all of them? Mm-hmm. And then to pull back and say, all right, yes, all of these are really, really good things. What have I been gifted and called and equipped to do? Yeah. And if it feels really small and like I want it to be bigger, yeah. That is that that is where I am called to tend this patch of patch of earth. And so for me, writing has been where I've tried to, you know, pour all of my activist energy. Hunty, your writing is so fire. It is just like it is like it is the mark. It is hitting it so well. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, whatever heavenly note you're listening to that is like calling forth this like beautiful, beautiful uh, scribing. I mean, it's fucking fantastic. So how long have you been? How long have you been? So your blog has been alive for like two years. Two years as of yesterday. Wow. Uh Wow. Wow. And I just want to encourage every single listener to go and tune in because we've been able to put a, a couple of the posts on to the app. But like, I honestly don't think sometimes the app does it justice because you've written them in such a specific format, you know, <clears throat> so dope. And you have a book coming out or is out? Um, I have um, a piece in an anthology that okay. came out, which is fantastic. Oh, my God. I'm in the same book with Will Gaffney. I'm just saying. <laughs> what is my life? What, what is, is your life? Happening? I want your life. 
it's it is I I keep like I like put the put the book up on Twitter and be like everyone make sure you buy this book and then I like real cash tag will get be like also very cool writing by many other people um and Jeff Chu Jeff Chu's in it um yeah, and Phil Jeff. Snyder put together I don't know if you follow Phil Snyder on some social media Not channels he's wonderful he's the one who put the anthology. And he has just been, he's a real gift and he's a wonderful ally. Like he is doing straight white maleness very well. Like I'm just really, really blessed by the way he like gathers people and elevates voices. Um, just he is, he is a model for me and what it means to be a really good ally. That's dope. Well, I guess whatever he's doing is definitely trickling on down the way that the Republicans thought it would. Um, so... A couple months ago, or a month or two ago, I approached you and I said, on Twitter, Laura Jean, will you please write something for us? And you were like, done. And lo and behold, you submitted Imagination, the most underrated spiritual discipline. And when you first sent the outline, I was like, that's such a strange angle to hit spiritual discipline from you know and I was still in I was in favor I was just like this is gonna be uh really interesting and what you submitted has just like moved me and my team so dramatically that we are like your biggest cheerleaders as you put this into the world and so I mean I don't even know where to start like I have I have like I have I made an outline of what I wanted to ask you and everything it just it looks like it, it's a mess right now because it's some of it's highlighted some of it's bold <laughs> obviously I don't know how to make outlines <laughs> I don't preach I don't preach um so okay one of my favorite lines and I'll read you your own work because that's how this goes is um it's the it's the prayer I think of like the first or second day God help us trust that you are good and you love us. And that means that the Bible wasn't written to subdue us, but to wake us up, give us hope, give us courage, give us eyes to see courage in scripture today. Amen. You know, one of the things I, I try to write from my own place of experience with God. Um, I don't always. I can tell when I haven't. I'll read back what I've written and been like, oh, that was some bullshit from, like, the Mm. surface of your life. Like, you just spit out some cliches that you heard in church at some (laughs) point, which is fine. We have to give ourselves grace. We can't always, you know, dig deep into our souls and pull out, you know, there's... But it's real that you're your own critic, you know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nothing if not my own critic. (laughs) Um, But I I think... um, writing and praying and preaching and, and being a pastor is trusting that the deeper you go into your own soul and the more honest you are with what you experience there, the more likely it is that that will resonate with someone else because we are so interconnected and so similar. Um, and so as a, a writer, the more honest I am with myself the more I am doing ministry and giving a gift to others. Um, and so honestly, the, the prayers that I write, like that prayer is, that is a real prayer for me. As someone who has had the Bible kind of thrown at me to subdue me mm-hmm. or to keep me in line or to give me more rules, 
for me to pray that I would see the Bible as the thing that invites me into something more adventuresome and exciting and kind mm. and good. Um, that is my prayer for myself. I mean, I love this so much because, yeah, like you said, the Bible has been thrown at so many of us who feel on the fringes of, of modern day Christianity. And in order to fit in, I think, with some of my um, more secular friends, I, 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 ha I have to like kind of deflate the Bible you know, away from this place that it was when I was a kid where it was like, yeah, of course Jonah was out there like swimming in whales' bellies and stuff, you know? And like yeah. that space where it just gets so flat and like unimaginative is where it just starts to feel so hard to read. And like, yes, in this devotional, you give us permission to like sprinkle magic all over it. You're just like, just throw the dust, the pixie dust and you will fall in love again with this like really awesome and creative and supposed to be imaginative book. It's just like, uh, thank you for giving me permission. I guess it's all I needed. <laughs> well, I feel like giving ourselves permission. I mean, I think especially for those of us, like you just said, who like grew up in a more fundamentalist tradition and then we kind of moved to progressive Christianity, um, and everyone's journey is so different, but often the loudest voices are the ones who maybe are not, are moving away from the Bible altogether. Yeah. Um, and I was a Bible geek growing up. I love the Bible. Oh my yeah, gosh, sword drills. Like you hold the Bible up in your hand, you know, and then somebody says, like that some obscure prophet, you know, like Hosea 117, <laughs> and everyone holds the Bible up and then bam, go down and you like find it. Um, yes. And I had a, a Sunday school teacher in fourth and fifth grade who I, she would, we had a Bible memorizing thing all through the year and every, oh my gosh, every single week for two years, she would write the Bible verse for the week on a postcard that she had made from a cereal box. She would cut out the cereal boxes. So there were these just like funny little postcards and she would send it to every kid in her class every single week with the memory verse for the week on it. Memory and if at the verses. end of the year you knew all of the verses, she would pay to take all the kids who knew the verses roller skating. What? I know. So, like, I grew up, like, Scripture was just everywhere, and I loved yeah. it. And then it felt like when I moved to progressive Christianity, everyone was like, yeah, fuck the Bible. Like, we don't need that. We don't need that. That's yeah, yeah, awful. yeah. I was like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. Like, yeah. I loved it. I grew up loving it. Mm. And so for me, because I was also a fantasy geek growing up, like, I was learning Elvish. It was very real. <laughs> like, finding... I was such a weird child. <laughs> um, but finding that the the intersection between these magical fantasy worlds and scripture for me was was tuning back into something really sacred and good in the mm. Bible. And I mean, those are the re that's the reason why I also love like, like fantasy and, and young adult fiction and stepping into another world. And it's because it gives you space to learn lessons. It like opens you up. You know, nobody sits down and reads a report of a story. You know, like this is the thing that happened. Data is just not inviting. What we want is like to make it theatrical. Wait, I need to write that down. Data is just not inviting. <laughs> it's horrible. I don't I have a piece of paper near me. I'm like, goddamn writer. <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, it's and yeah. Yeah. 
Um, my other thing that I, I really enjoyed from your piece, it's um, in day four, you use this phrase, empathy for the other, and you capitalize other. Mm. <sighs> Should I read the whole, like, the small paragraph? Because it's a little prayer. Um, you also talk about Jesus a lot and, like, reminding us that, you know, Jesus was actually a pretty cool guy, you know? <laughs> um, okay, so Jesus show Jesus shows us that we can resist evil while not dehumanizing the ones who are desperate to dehumanize us. First of all, in today, in like today, in the present time, it is so hard to like open up my phone because the news is always there or like turn on the TV and not just feel like a swell of tension and bile just like come up in my throat because I'm so annoyed with the state of the world. And you're like, let's use imagination to actually love these people from places that they will never be able to love us from. Where'd you come up with that? Um, well, so that, so that was, this was actually, this was a huge gift because I wrote, so that was an idea that I was playing with. And I think I sent it in my original bullet point to you mm-hmm. about imagination as, as empathy to learn how to be present with the other. And Which I didn't understand. I, would, I was like, what? I need. Okay. Well, then, then Jesus thinks everything is so funny. <laughs> Jesus just has such a sense of humor. So I go to Evolving Faith, which yeah, tickets go on sale next week. Please be there because I want to meet you in real life. And also, All right. it was a it was astounding. I hate conferences. Conferences are the worst thing ever. It's just like, really, it, it's so stressful for me. I get so, so stressed. Um, but this conference was just amazing. Um, and, oh no, she told us how to pronounce her name at the beginning of her talk, which was really gracious of her. And now I have forgotten how to pronounce your name. I wonder if I Google it. Oh no. I just, I hate mispronouncing people's names. Um, so her name is Oshita Moore, Mm -hmm. I believe. Um, and she wrote a book called Shalom Sisters, which is a devotional. And she also has a podcast that I haven't listened to yet, but she talked, I think I mentioned in my devotional, she talked about this idea of telling a better story about our enemies Mm. and what does it mean when you encounter the enemy and she uses the description the enemy is the person who's just outside our empathy Um, what happens when you encounter that person who's just outside your empathy and you tell a different story and I was sitting there and I was like oh I might use this for my devotional about imagination (laughs) but like that idea of um of, of imagination is a thing that like that frees you to see other people. Um, I I think I was probably most inspired. Um, did you watch Lost back in the day? No, I went to a boarding school, so I didn't even have a TV. So <laughs> I, I was homeschooled, so I didn't have a TV, which is probably why uh, Lost hit me so deeply. So I'd never watched TV growing up. And then I was house-sitting at somebody's house when I was, I guess, 17. And they had the box set of Lost, season one. And I was house-sitting. I didn't have anything to do. Um, And so I watched it all at once. The first time I ever binged a TV show. So it, I think, made a big effect on me because I'd never done that for that (laughs) long. 
But the whole thing about Lost is it was the first show to ever do this. It does flashbacks. Mm. And it's a teen TV show. So there's, you know, like 30 main characters. But each episode takes turns focusing on the backstory of this person who was stranded on the island. Okay. And I remember watching it. And, you know, it starts with, oh, the handsome, white, straight doctor. What's his story? <laughs> oh, the beautiful, straight, white girl. What's her story? And then it's, oh, this Korean couple. What's their story? Oh, it's this man from Pakistan. What's his story? Don't. And it just starts shifting and all of a sudden all these people that have been the bad guys because they're seen through the eyes of the straight white man the straight white woman and they're like oh these terrible people we start to have episodes where we see them and so i'm watching all of this at once yeah and i remember going into work after two days off watching the show and looking around at my coworkers and thinking they all have backstories they all have flashbacks Ooh. Which maybe is obvious that we all have, but it was this visceral moment of being like, I wonder what would happen if in this moment, all of a sudden the camera shifted and I saw everything that they have lived through. Mm. And that for me was a, a transformative, I, it seems silly that like this TV show Lawsley changed my life, but I still sometimes, I'll be in a room with people and I'll think, I wonder if the camera shifted what their flashbacks would be. And that, if you're able to, to do that on purpose, when you're encountering someone that you really fucking hate, mm -hmm. you're like, why are you the way you are? Like, why yeah. are you like this? And then to actually think that, actually, well, why are you? Yeah. The sacred discipline, that's what you call it. Um, yeah. You say, using our story to engage in the empathy for the other is one of the most powerful ways that imagination can be a sacred discipline and protect our hearts from the corrosive power of hatred. You know, and I think that's the thing that like, like wells up in me when I read any news, any news line with um, 45's name in it. And like, I, 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 you know, and it's, it's so overwhelming and so heavy, you know, and so distracting, this, this hatred. And it's like, how do I, how do I find empathy or sympathy instead of, you know, like pure red hot anger um, and the wrong kind of anger because it's not very helpful. And remembering like 45 doesn't necessarily need our empathy, but we need to not be succumbing to yeah. hatred. Like what does it mean instead of me being like, well, he doesn't deserve it. It's like, no, well, no, but what, what do I, what do I need? from yeah. my soul in order to encounter people around me with softness and also fierceness and justice yeah. and protect the vulnerable. But you can protect the vulnerable from evil and from people doing evil things without casting those, those people doing evil things into, you know, into, into hell in a way. Yeah. Into, yeah. Which is like, that othering and that putting people in their place and saying that they are not like us or they are apart from us is exactly what fundamentalists have done, you know? And so now that we have this, this word and, and we feel that it is inviting to us, how do we make sure that we don't repeat the same things? I just want to steal you away for a moment. I think the second half of the podcast is my favorite, but first I want to tell you about something super cool happening tomorrow. That is December 7th. 
We are having a fireside chat with Elizabeth Henry on her devotional exclusively in the app, Angels We Have Heard on High. The chat will be on Friday, December 7th from 6 to 7 p.m. EST, and you can sign up to join us at rbiblat.com slash let's-chat. Also find out about other chats and conferences we will be attending by visiting our calendar of events. That's ourbibleapp.com slash calendar dash of dash events. All on our Bible app, the number one media hub for progressive Christians. I love what you talk about in day five. Um, You talk about uh, planting seeds and sowing seeds and not being... um, overcome with burnout you know you have this really beautiful um i'm just going to keep reading your work to you uh, for eternity um this is a really incredibly mundane and humbling description of your life and i know your life is not this um simply deduced but i think it paints a really cool picture of of the day in and day out like we can see our lives played out in a list of things that we have to do. And you say, my life is pretty small these days. I attend a non-affirming church as a queer woman. I work at a tavern. I write. I show up for coffee dates and don't know if anything I've said matters. I try to love people in my life, but make terrible mistakes and they get hurt. I write and sometimes no one reads it. I show up and plant seeds and have no idea what will happen to them. I feel like this too. I feel like this so often. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, that we are these, um, that it's, it's sometimes so hard to just be decent, you know, yeah. because <laughs> cause it's a lot of just like, it's a, I mean, day in and day out, not knowing what is coming next, you know, um, what keeps you being decent? <laughs> Um, well, I'm not always decent. Sometimes I'm really shitty. If you want to not feel ever holier than thou, you should definitely work in a bar and be like, wow, I am mean to everyone tonight. Like, unnecessarily. Like, I've been unnecessarily mean to everyone I bumped into. Then I'm going to go home and I'm going to write a piece about, like, the sacred power of empathy and be like, what the fuck is your problem? Like, you couldn't even be nice to, like, the busser tonight. Like... What is what is that? So you know, it, yeah. it keeps you normal. Um, but I think you know, I God, Laura Jane. That's like that's a, something that I I talk to my team about too. Like just yesterday, I I remember closing my laptop and just saying something, just like really off the cuff to Teresa, not to ter- or about Teresa, but just about something that we were discussing. And I said, like, a really mean thing. And then I thought, why, why am I so mean? I just feel like there's like a curmudgeonliness yeah. in me, you know, and despite <laughs> the work that I'm doing and that I get to do. And it's like, I don't, I don't, I don't know how to shake it off. I don't know how yeah. to shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because yeah. you spend so much time trying to fend off other people's bad energy, you know? <laughs> and in doing so, you're doing a lot of emotional work and a lot of deflecting. And it's like, 
I'm not seeing what this person is going to do after I have deflected or healed their hurt in, in our conversation. I don't see them go off and actually be nice to their mom. I don't see them, mm. you know, go off and do anything. You know, all I know is that I tried to make the world a little better in this one moment. And it, 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 it makes me feel like, like I'm just getting heavier with all of the things that I'm carrying. Oh, that is like that idea of like getting heavier is so real like that is I this is on I mean honestly with this this conversation right here this is the thing I think about the most is um yeah like so much that seems like it doesn't matter or it's too small and then in the small moments I'm an asshole I'm like what is what is even you know so I, I guess I mean uh, this this is gonna sound super morbid but it's not I promise um I almost wrote about this in the imagination series. And then I was like, everyone, no one's going to like this. This is so, but I, so I think a lot about death. Um, I think a lot about, um, about the fact that no matter how important the things we do are, we are all going to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and people no matter how large you are or how much you affect all of the whole world, you get forgotten pretty much unless, you know, you're Genghis Khan and, you know, you commit so much genocide that we can't forget you. Um, and so given that it's, it's very freeing because when you think about that, then you stop pursuing the bigness because you're like, well, the big, it's never big enough. It's insatiable. And so then it gives you permission to, you know, my, my problematic fave is always, you know, C.S. Lewis, always. I will never not love him. Me God too. Rest his. Huge fan. Wrote papers just, on him. Just uh, the way he loves story and imagination is just out of this world. He's every, he is everything. He's all the things. But he says this one beautiful thing in his um, collection of essays, uh, The Weight of Glory, which I love, love, love. Yeah. He talks about how everyone, everyone we encounter is is going to be like, is this, is this eternal being that is luminescent, like this sense that every time we bump into someone, it's this immortal being that if we saw them as they really were, we would be tempted to worship them because our souls are so just, just magical. Um, Hmm. And I think about that. Yeah. He said, uh, you're, I think something like your neighbor is the holiest thing you will encounter, you know, this side of heaven. Hmm. And thinking about how my my interactions with people are really the only thing that does matter and the only thing that does last and to pour energy into that kind of eternal, I don't know, but yeah, I I think about death all the time. (sighs) But then, I mean, yeah, thinking about the end is a great way to just like make sense of the middle, you know? Um... But I guess what I found remarkable in this, um, I guess, day five of your devotional was that you were like, this too is how imagination can be a remedy in this situation, <laughs> you know? And it's like, there, there's, there's so much work that you can do with like your, your inner life, you know, and mm-hmm. um, creating ways to let things go and forgive people and forgive yourself. Um, and the prayer that you had there is, God, you told us not to become weary in doing good for the 
for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And it's like there is there's still hope, you know, even if we don't see the immediate <laughs> seed growing, there is hope, you know. Love it. <laughs> well, and that idea that like if, if each person just tended the very small patch of earth that yeah. they have been given, if each one of us said, what is my square mileage? Like maybe it's two by two, maybe it's 24 by 24. I'm going to do the very best I can with this. If we all did mm. that, like the world would be healed. Like I just, I just believe that. I think the, the, that's exactly what you said though. When you were, when, yeah. when we first started to talk, you were like, I was doing all this activist work and then it just didn't feel like, I felt like I was straining myself. So I had to pull it back, you know? And it's like, maybe the good that we're doing in the world, if it's stressing us out, we just got to pull it back and like, and like fine tune it and pay close attention to the things that are really just like two feet apart instead of paying kind of a lot of attention to things that are like two miles yes. apart. You know? Yes. Yes. Well, I mean, the, you know, all the studies show that multitasking, you know, makes you actually less effective and you're not doing anything well. And I think we have a generation of like activist multitaskers yeah. who are all trying to do all of the things. It's true. And instead we're doing none of the things really at all. Yeah. Um, and I think there's, there's a lot of good work that could be done if we all said, what is the thing I am called to? Like, what is it? And how can I do it really well? Yeah. Hmm. Looks like you're getting it though. Um, this is my last question um, about your devotional. Um, where did you come across this idea of God in day seven? <laughs> um, you say, God what is this day seven. Oh, what the, what's the title of day seven? I don't have it up. Yeah, it's okay. Day seven is, that's how I scroll. Um, imagination, gender, and the non-binary in between God. And you spent a lot of time just like naming all of these outside of the box ways that we can, that we can know God. And one of them I just love so much. And it just like uh, came to mind like this, this image of, of a, um, a jester, you know, in a king's court. God is a joker. God is a trickster laughing and dancing on the edge of our language and stereotypes and ideas. That is like the most exuberant, like the most wonderful description of God I have ever read. And I feel like that's like my spirit. My spirit is a jokester, a trickster, a laughing in a corner at the thing that just happened, even though I'm the only one laughing. You know, like that is so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, I probably, I mean, probably there are some connections there um, to womanist theology um, that I am, I have not gone as deeply into as I'd like to. That's 2019 is a womanist theology year for me. I'm very excited. Um, but I remember in one of my ethics classes, we talked about how since ethics is done by straight, white, powerful men, mm -hmm ethics is always this idea of like the following the rules and the doing the thing and the being in the system because straight white men run the system. And so yeah. straight men are like ethics are doing the things in the system. It's our system. Um, but we talked very briefly about how this image of the trickster, the one who's breaking the rules and getting away with stuff in black literature and black theology, you have this, this image of the ethical character is the trickster and the jokester because the systems 
are not in are not in favor of often minorities and people who are in oppressed systems. And so we we talked about that very briefly in one of my ethics classes. But I think it stayed with me the idea that the depending on who the rules are in favor of and who the who the system upholds, the one who subverts and laughs on the edges is is also the ethical one, is also the good one. And I think I I think that carries I think I take that with me in my image of God that if that can also be an ethical move for us, that means that that's also an image of God mm. that also can be true of the one who's outside and joking and calling us into into more play with the systems that we think are inherently godly because we've conflated, you know, the straight white powerful systems with this deity being. Mm. If that makes sense, but that's all yeah, floating around still for yeah. Hmm. That's dope, yo. Well, I feel like you had you had a lot of thoughts there. What, I had so is... many thoughts, and then I I mean I I got a little choked up, and I was just like, settle down. It's not that deep, and so. <laughs> we're talking about theology if you're not allowed to get choked up about theology like what are you allowed to get choked oh, up about this is eternal shit i know i just get so excited about um this idea of being able to just like crack open the goad you know just like slam it down crack it open and and it's no and it's like like you said once you infuse it with imagination it's no longer it's no longer a, an idol. It becomes a metaphor. You know, it becomes something that we as humans can identify with, where we can walk into this thing and suddenly it's alive and you're in it instead of like this really thin piece of like uh, rice paper that you just kind of flip over and like, you know, like it's no, it's no longer this book that has like tragically hurt people. Anyway, I'm going mm. all over the place. So many thoughts in my head. Um, but I love this idea of imagination and what you have allowed us, this world that you have given us permission to, to walk into. Um, I just feel like this, this devotional could definitely be an entire book. Well, that was, that was actually the thing that was hardest for me in putting it together is I'd never written in that format before. I'd never written short. You may have noticed I'm a little wordy. Um, mm. So I tend to... I'm I'm a sprawling I'm a sprawling writer and and editing is always a little harder for me so writing the short pieces was definitely a really good writing discipline for me because it's really hard when you're a sprawling writer to be like 350 to 700 words what is that so thank you for the opportunity to practice Dude. your writing skills crystal <laughs> I mean, you could definitely, like I said, crack this open and make it something so much bigger, right? Um, is there anything that you particularly wanted um, the readers to get when they, when they dipped into this for like a 10-day period? Is there anything you really wanted them to come away with? Hmm. I would say... Um an experience of, of more freedom, curiosity in spiritual lives and not being afraid of curiosity. 
not being afraid of where iconoclasm and and the kind of shattering will take us mm-hmm. because you know fundamentalism for me the primary thing in fundamentalism is fear the fear mm-hmm. that if you step outside it's all over you are you are dead you are gone you are if you ask a question where will the question lead you and to to come back as kids who are curious, who are, well, I wonder where this will lead me, and to trust that a good God, as we as we are curious in community with our God, as we say, I'm going to strike out into this land, I don't know where I'll go, I'm a little afraid that this is scary territory, God, will you come with me? And to know that a good God is not going to let us crumble into the outer edges of darkness, that when we say, I'm going out into this place with my imagination, with my curiosity. I'm afraid that this is too far. And I think about that psalm with, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even then your hand will hold me. And to know that as we take our imagination into the far side of the sea, which feels like the place that's outside of God's grasp, God is with us. And I guess I hope that that is that that feeling of God with us as we explore goes with us. Every morning I wake up to a, um, a podcast, like that's how I get out of my bed in the morning. <laughs> I, just, I just think it would be wonderful if you just like read something on air and like that's the thing that me and maybe everybody else could just like listen to. Just like, it's going to be okay. Well, God I'll be okay. God is, is with, with you. you. God, there, it, it is. It is so need that message constantly. Um, well, Laura Jean, where can people find you? Um, you can find me on my website, laurajeantruman.com and, um, Nathaniel, now Nathaniel Green, mm-hmm. because he's married, <laughs> um, just made the most beautiful website redesign for me. And it has all the links on it now for all of the other places you can find me. Um, I write over at Patheos once a week, uh, lectionary devotional where I go through every week what the Bible text is. Um, so we're going to be talking about the end times this week. So the don't end miss times? Us. Really? Oh, yeah. First week of Advent is the second coming of Christ. So that's going to be just a hoot and a half. Mm. Who's excited? Yeah. <laughs> this uh. guy right here. This one's very um, okay. we'll Can you give a shout out to um, uh, my editor, Teresa Talk? She is uh, a giant mega gross fan. Like, she's so gross. And she really wanted to be able to see you today, but um, I had to record for my home office. So I don't know what you could say to her. But... Teresa, you're the best. I don't know you, but are you on Twitter? Follow me. I'll follow you back. You're the best. <laughs> That's you're great. wonderful. I hope Everything I you do is. Her. <laughs> no, she's really but good. For real, do follow me. Um, I, I am, I'm trying to, to take a little bit of a break from my Twitter news feed this Advent season to kind of, because the, the heaviness of the world has been a bit rough. But in general, I am on Twitter way more than any human should be on Twitter. <laughs> so I'm, I'm there. My handle is the same, lauradeantruman.com. And I love, I love, I love, I love being on Twitter. So great success. Teresa, follow me there. I'll call you back. You will. You will. Ugh, what a good show, right? Laura Jean is the bee's knees, and she knows it. 
Ah, that's our show. And before I let you go, I just want to say shout out to podcasts I love. I'm loving Alter Guilt's new season. I'm loving For Collared Girls' new season. Uh, excuse me. And uh, Cafeteria Christian is coming out with a new season. So I hope you guys will tune in in, you guessed it, our Bible app. <laughs> um, and don't forget to check out um, our Bible app if you haven't yet and subscribe. If you want to find out more about me, Crystal Cheatham, you can hit me up at crystal at ourbibleapp.com or on my personal website, www.crystalcheatham. And um, I love to say hi to people on Twitter, so I hope you'll find me there too at Crystal Cheatham. Okay, bye.